Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Amen. I was sitting out over the water a couple of these days. I was looking at this beautiful lake, and it occurred to me that there's a lot of different types of water on earth. Water comes in all kinds of forms, in good and bad. There's ponds and puddles and creeks and oceans and lakes and rivers and on and on. Did you ever consider that there's all those different types of water, but they're all still just H2O, they're just water. Nothing really spectacular about it. A couple of hydrogen molecules, one oxygen molecule, right? Did I get that, science teachers? Is that right? that dangerous chemical called dihydrogen oxide. But there's a lot of different types of water and how water is treated and how it sits and how it operates is so significantly important in terms of what the water can do and what the water can do for you. Water doesn't move and it sits. A pond or a water can stagnate and become foul because of other elements that are polluting it. Water can, as if it's flowing and it's continuing to move and there's water moving through, it can freshen itself and turn over. The lake that we were on, for, as a matter of fact, is a spring, fed, or excuse me, a river-fed lake and the water was continuously moving. I figured this out because I kept throwing my bobber out on a marker buoy, expecting it to stay where I put it and it kept moving. Still water. And I'm going, why is my bobber moving? I went, oh yeah, that's right. There's a river moving through this thing. And it was clear, pretty water. It's tannin-colored from the, from the pine trees, but, but just in and of itself, it's beautiful, clear water. And it occurred to me again as I was continuing to think about this, God, why are you taking me down this road thinking about all this kind of water? You know, water sometimes has salt in it. Those of you that are ocean fishermen know that it's not very pleasant, but man, can you catch some beautiful, beautiful fish and sea life out of that salty water? But you know, if the water evaporates, if it's allowed to sit and the water evaporates and the salt concentrates, it becomes poison. And it's dead, right? So there needs to be more water in order to dilute that and make it better. You know, if you take a vial this big of hydrochloric acid and you drink it, you're gonna do some seriously terrible damage to yourself. But if you take that same vial of hydrochloric acid and you put it in a 50-gallon drum, and mix it up in there real good. You can drink the whole drum of water over time, not at once, because that wouldn't be good. Even I couldn't do that. You could drink it and it wouldn't hurt you, right? Water is an incredible thing, and it's everywhere. It covers the vast majority of the world. Some of it's salty, some of it fresh. How is it that when fresh water and salt water come together, somehow they just manage to just kind of do their thing, and that's okay? Isn't that interesting? I want to talk to you this morning. I'm getting off that little deal there. I want to talk to you this morning about the water where the fish are. The water where the fish are. Now, I love to fish, and I did a lot of it this week, probably more so than my family really appreciated or wanted me to. But I just love it. I love being out on the water. I love soaking a line. I love the excitement of catching a fish. Amen? I love the excitement of catching a fish. Anybody going to preach with me on that one? Amen. We didn't catch a whole lot, but we caught a few. 
And I've caught, caught a real nice northern out of that lake a little while back. We caught a few. We've got some in the freezer, and it was a lot of fun. But I love to get a pole out there. In Wisconsin, you can take three poles per person, and you can put them out. So sometimes what I was doing was putting two bobber poles out, and I was casting. And I was catching different things. We were catching different things. My son caught a really nice uh, big fat smallie, and, and we had a fun time with that. But the point is, is that it's, it's peaceful out there, and it's wonderful, and it's a great place to be, and I was enjoying it so much. And it just got me thinking about water and fish. Now, when you want to go fishing, sometimes you got to try the method where you, like I'm a bass fisherman primarily, and so you go up and down the shoreline and you just cast in these, and I, I've learned over the years certain places to look, logs that are sticking out, submerged things, places where I know that bass like to hide. And so you're just kind of stabbing at it a little bit here and there. You shoot, you shoot cast in there and you cast in here. And if you get lucky, there might be something sitting there. And I had, I had one of those events, so I cast it in and started reeling my, my lure back, and a northern came up, chased it, and blah, 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 shoo, gobbled it up and caught that turkey. I got a nice picture of it. But if, if you're a fisherman who likes to get after the big game, maybe you go out on the Gulf, uh, Brother Brown, when you, when you take your boat out onto the Gulf of Mexico, do you just drive out there somewhere and go, this looks like a good spot, and start throwing lines in the water? No, sir. Where do you like to go when you fish? Where the fish are, Right? You go where the fish are. The Gulf of Mexico, we were out there a couple, couple years ago. It was kind of a bucket list thing for me. We took a charter out, and we went out so far you couldn't see land anywhere. And, and my daughter said, man, this boat captain could kill us all, and no one would know. <laughs> Which I thought was a really amusing observation. But he had electronics on, on the boat, and he had all these wonderful devices on there with these massive screens, looked like big computer screens, and he could see all this stuff going on. Like you just said, Brother Brownie, he could see structure. He took us to a place where they actually said what they did was they took old World War II tanks and airplanes, and they clean them all up and get all the bad stuff out of them, and the chemicals and everything. They load them up on a barge, and they drive them out into the Gulf of Mexico, and they bulldoze them off the end of the thing, into the water. And we were at about 60, 70 feet of water. And as he was driving over that thing, his little sonar device could see it. And you could see the tank. You could see the outline, the big cannon thing sticking out. And you could see airplane wings and all that stuff. And what happens is the fish build habitat there. And, and, and the coral gets on there and all that stuff grows and things just naturally attach to it. And it becomes a fish habitat. And that's where you go and fish because that's where the fish are. Because you could literally spend your entire life driving around the Gulf of Mexico, throwing a line out, trying to catch a fish and never see a thing. It's vast. It's huge. Huge salt water. So even fishing this little lake that I have, I have this little junky electronic thing I got with my Cabela points a few years ago. <laughs> it was just cheap. And I was trying to work it and kind of see structure and see where the fish were and things. So I was trying to take us where the fish were, but man, was I having a hard time with that couple days they just weren't biting but if I thought if I just went out into the middle of this lake and just tossed a few lines out with a bobber there's I could do that for weeks and never catch a fish and I thought man I want to go where the fish are and so I really started doing kind of some zigzag patterns over these areas they tell you on these maps you know they tell you they say well if you go over here this is great structure for blah 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 and this is the kind of fish they have etc so I'm zigzagging I'm doing a z thing over all this circling around my family's going crazy what are you doing I'm trying to find the fish I'm trying to get on that spot and all of a sudden as I'm going over this one spot here they are these little arc pictures that show up on your on your scanner thing right little arcs and there they are that's the fish right there 
I took my little marker buoy and I threw it out in the water. And I'm like, that's it, that's it right there. And I turned, turned the boat around and we anchored up. And that's when I threw my bobber out and I thought it was going to stay and I kept moving. But even then, the fish still weren't biting. Tried everything. We put out leeches and minnows and night crawlers and could not get a bite. Nothing. We weren't fishing by the hungry fish. And so I picked up our lines, we moved, and we moved on down the line and put the bobbers in the water again, did all that stuff. I cut a bullhead. (laughs) No walleye, still elusive to me. The point is, is that sometimes we're fishing in water where there are no fish. And sometimes we're just fishing with one pole. And we're not going to catch a whole lot of fish with just one pole. As a matter of fact, Jesus repeatedly used the example of casting our nets. And folks, I think it's time that we understand that the reason we talk about revival and the reason we talk about casting our nets is because now is the time that is most critical that we be about the business of God that we be about the business of becoming good fishermen who know how to go where the fish are. We need to get into the water where the fish are. And not just the fish, if I can, if I can steal from Brother Hanthorne at camp on Thursday night, if he were there, our district uh, NAM director talked about fishing and filling his basket, not with just what's in his own basket at home, but with every area, with every kind of fish. In other words, if we cast a net, we're gonna catch the white fish, and the brown fish, and the black fish, and the yellow fish, and the red fish. You understand where I'm coming from? We get our nets out into the water, and we start expanding what God wants us to do without just that one pole, but with our nets. I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel is an incredible prophet of God. As a matter of fact, through a lot of the chapters of the book of Ezekiel, as God speaks to him, each chapter starts out with, God talked to me, and he said to me, son of man, do this. And he said to me, son of man, do that. Again and again and again, he refers to Ezekiel, son of man. He's talking about his humanity, the person that I'm calling you to be, the human that I need to spread this word. Ezekiel chapter 47, we'll start at verse 1. This is an incredible vision that God gives him. He takes him into a place and there's a man there with him who's holding a line, a tool of measurement. And he begins to give him this vision of the house of God or the temple. He says in verse one, afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house. He's talking about the temple. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east. This is significant. The east signifies holiness. The wise men saw a star in the east. It points to Jesus. Someday, Jesus is gonna split the eastern sky. The garden was planted in the east of Eden. The entrance to the tabernacle in the wilderness always faced the east. It is a place of holiness. And the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. How many knows that the waters need to come out of the right side? 
And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. And he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. He takes Ezekiel out and he begins to wade into this water. Come on now, you got to be preaching with me now. He's wading into the water and he's just ankle deep. That's all. That's all he's committed into this journey into the water. Verse 4 says, and again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. And the waters were to the loins or to his waist. And afterward, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass over. In other words, I can't walk across it. For the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. We have the image of a man who's being drawn into these holy waters. How many of you have been called by God and drawn into the holy waters? But some of us are still just ankle deep. Some of us are just just knee deep. Some of us are in there up to our waist, but that's about as far as we'll go. But some of us are in the middle of that river and we're just swimming as hard as we can. It takes faith to let your feet come off the bottom of of that sea, come off the bottom of that lake and just let those waters take you to those deeper places. It takes faith. It takes a desire. It's not just a matter of I'll just do this thing, but you've got to have a desperate desire in your heart to please God, to move into the waters that are deeper than where your feet can stand on that sandy bottom. Ankles to knees is a journey. When I first walked into a church of the living God, I might have been just a little toe deep. I might have been just a little ankle deep. But at a certain point in this journey, I heard enough and I saw enough. And I saw what God did in a living, breathing, spirit-filled church. That it brought me to the place of my knees in that water where I said, yes, God, I want what you have. I'm willing to commit this far. Shortly after that, working my way through a walk with God, it wasn't long before I was waist deep. Man, this is getting good. I'm getting to understand things of God. I'm getting a little bit more committed. But you know, some people just stop at that place. They stop about waist deep. I can still feel the sand under my feet. I feel safe. I feel comfortable. This is where I like to be. I'm committed this far, so maybe I got a few things that I do for God occasionally, but I don't know if I can step any further. I don't know if I can just let my feet come off the bottom and get to the place where I'm swimming. Verse 6 says, And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? In other words, he's looking at Ezekiel and he's saying, Do you understand what I'm showing you? Do you see the model that I'm giving you here? Have you seen it? Then he brought me and caused me to return back to the brink of the water. Now when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees, and on the one side and on the other. David penned in the book of Psalms chapter 1, he said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. What is he talking about there? He's talking about separation. He's talking about separation from the bank of the river, from the place where you came from in the desert to getting into the river. Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. What does that mean? that I don't continue to operate in the circles of the same people for the purposes of benefici- excuse me, of bene- uh, <laughs> benefiting from their 
counsel, from their wisdom. I don't continue to operate in those circles as a receiver. I don't continue to operate under the counsel of the ungodly in partaking of what their knowledge or their experience is. That's what that means. It says, nor standeth in the way of the sinners. Doesn't mean you're getting in the way. It means in the pathway of the sinners. Well, pastor, how are we going to win them if we can't get in there with them? Absolutely. This is a commentary on separation. Standing in the way of sinners is not the same thing as going and talking with them and reaching into them to bring them out. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. There's going to be a lot of scorn when everything comes down. There's going to be a lot of anger, a lot of frustration when the latter parts of the word of God become real. I received a telephone call while I was on vacation this week. A young lady used to be affiliated with this church, still is directly, still attends church, loves God, but very, very deeply moved by the fact that her employer is asking her to be inoculated with this vaccine or she'll lose her job. Now, that's not the part, and I'm not going to get into the politics of that, and I'm not going to go one way or the other on that. That's not the point, and that's not what this pulpit does. But here's the point. It made her afraid. She was scared. Pastor, is this the end times? Is this some form of the mark, she asked me. I don't understand what's going on. We're being forced against our will. And I advised her, and I gave her counsel. I told her I'm always, I'll always be her pastor. But the point was, is it brought to her mind what the latter part of the word of God says. And there's gonna be a lot of scorn and a lot of anger. And if we're associated with that, we're operating in that, we're not separated from that, it can affect us, it can impact us. But listen to what it says in verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like what? A tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." If you stay away from the way of sinners, if you separate yourself from the counsel of the ungodly, if you avoid the words of the scornful and you delight in God's law, you are like that tree planted by the water that Ezekiel is talking about. That holy special water, that water that's coming out from the east side of the temple. How many know that the waters flow from this temple and can flow from this temple out into this community and attract them and God's spirit can draw them, but it's not gonna happen Yes, amen. It's not going to happen because the building is standing here and lights go on and off when we flip the switches and there's some nice music playing. It's going to happen when things like what happened here just a minute ago is going on all the time. In other words, that river of living water that's flowing from you worshiping God and giving out of your spirit and pouring out in the spirit, that's what's going to roll out of this church into our community and affect those souls. Verse 8 says, Then said he unto me, These waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert. When a person is first saved, I've seen this a million times over my years in the church. Man, it's exciting. When you first get filled with the Spirit of God, something's awesome. You see the light. You're excited about it. Something's going on. Holy cow, this is amazing. I can't believe nobody ever told me about this before. And they rush out into the desert where their family members are and their coworkers are and their neighbors are. And they say, hey man, Misty, you wouldn't believe what happened to me at church. Boy, is it dry out here. 
I was so full of water a minute ago, but okay. But I got to tell you what happened. I was at church on Sunday, blah, blah, blah. And Missy says, "Uh uh-uh. And you go from neighbor to your friend, to your family member, Ron. You say, hey, you got to listen to what happened. I've seen the light. And your neighbor says, that's a desert place. And it can be very debilitating. It can actually take somebody down. Man, what happened here? I thought everybody was going to receive what I had to say because you start out that journey from the waters in the temple and you got to go through the desert first. That's the word of God. But listen to what he says. And go into the sea. So he says, go down into the desert. Before the sea is the desert. You get into the sea, it says, continuing the verse, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. I want you to understand that the sea there represents the masses of people who desperately need God. Do you understand? The water's flowed through a dry place. There's just gonna be some people, they're gonna reject you. They're gonna turn you down. They're just not gonna receive. But don't stop there. Sometimes we stop at that neighbor or those three family members that just won't receive us. God, send them somebody that'll listen to them. But take me into the sea, God, and let me be effective and powerful for you. It says that it was brought forth into the sea and the waters shall be healed. Why is that? Why are the waters healed? Because that holy water, that fresh, clean, powerful water, mixing, it's talking about the Dead Sea in this scripture, just so you understand. The Dead Sea is dead, why? Because it's a high concentration of salt and minerals. You know, salt is very valuable, especially at this time in biblical times. It was a preservative, they kept their food that way. It was, it was used as a media of exchange, like money. It was so powerful, but in a concentrated format like that, it's poison. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea, maybe some micro and some weird things that nobody wants to eat anyway. But it's just not, it's just dead. Because the waters are so concentrated with salt. And so what it's saying is that sea, that, 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 that fresh holy water is gonna roll into to the sea and it's gonna make it healed. In other words, it's gonna dilute all of that salt. Are you preaching me with me this morning? If you get a hold of these groups, these people that need you full of salt and mineral and poison of this world and you just flood in that holy water, you understand you're gonna dilute the salt that's in them. They might be hard and crystallized right now. I don't wanna hear anything about your God. But I'll tell you what, I just got a testimony from our visitors this morning. Dan and uh, Miles and and, uh, Kimberly are here from Green Bay this morning. They're cousin and uncle to Jeanette Osborne. Those of you that know Jeanette would be shocked at this, but Miles told me there was at one point that Jeanette cursed the idea of being baptized in Jesus' name. Come on now. Woo! She is an awesome woman of God. She's not here this morning. She's on vacation. But I want to tell you what happened, Miles. Some holy water, some Holy Ghost water got around her. And that salt, that mineral, and that nastiness that was in her got a hold of her and it diluted that spirit. And it got a hold of her and she gave her life to God. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Verse 9 said, and it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whither so the river shall come, shall live. You understand? Everything in this world that lives and moves and breathes needs water. But this water is going to make it live forever. The living water we bring into the lives of these people and bring this dead sea back to life, their dead sea. The fish 
will come. See, as that water flows into the Dead Sea, if this were to happen physically in our world and the water began to flow into the Dead Sea and suddenly there'd be a dilution of that salt, the fish, any kind of animal that is nearby, anything that could come will come to that spot because they know they can smell the freshness of the water. They can sense it and they can taste it. You can smell it in the air. We'd get up every morning uh, next to the lake. We were 50 feet from the water. We had the front windows open. You wake up in the morning, you could smell the lake. It was beautiful and it was fresh water. I guarantee you if you were by the Dead Sea, anybody go to the Dead Sea, go to Israel and go to the Dead Sea? Doesn't it stink? I've heard a lot of people say it smells like real sulfur. Yeah, Ron said, Ron said sulfur, I, I believe it. <clears throat> but it's gonna freshen that water and they're gonna be attracted to it. You understand everybody out there swimming in salty, nasty, wicked water and they're surrounded by it. People are mean and they're angry and they they they're harsh in cars and they, they do terrible things on the roads and they, say, they backstab one another in their jobs and they have all these terrible things going on all the time and, and they have some wonderful times with their family and their love and all that stuff mixed in but there's so much salt. There's so much anger in the world right now. And if all of a sudden a little flow of this fresh water comes flowing into their life, ooh, and then somebody else is gonna be attracted. Hey, there's fresh water. Over. I'm gonna get out of this mess over here. Get me out of the sewage. I want that fresh stuff. Come on, right? And there shall be a very great multitude of fish because these waters shall come thither for they shall be healed and everything shall live whither the river cometh. And it shall come to pass. How, you know, how many know that you're gonna live forever? That, that holy water. That living water is what's going to make you live for all time with God, right? And it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Enjedi unto Eneglium. Enjedi is the far east end of the Dead Sea. Eneglium is believed to be the far west end. In other words, the fishers will move in on that fresh water. Buddy, when we saw this lake, I said, yeah, this is the one we want to stay at. This is the one where we want to go. There's some fresh water here, and it's moving water. And I could see the life in it. I could see minnows here. We even saw a big, fat, long water snake cruising through by the docks but we saw life and we put some lines out and yes we caught fish we caught crappies and bluegill and northern and bass you understand the fishermen that are going to go to that fresh water and they shall be a place to spread forth nets not poles come on now we're not pole fishermen well I just want to talk to my mom I want her to come to church well, mom yelled at you 16 times over the last 30 years and said, don't ever talk to me about God anymore. But I, it's my mom. I want to see her come to church. I really do. Trust in God. Keep planting the seeds. Pray for her. Let somebody else come and minister to that person. Am I right, Miles? Somebody else ministered to your cousin Jeanette, didn't they? He prayed faithfully for her, invited her, involved her in church, didn't want anything to do with it. But somebody, somebody came on behalf of Jeanette. And now she's a wonderful woman of God who's faithful and awesome and filled with his spirit. All right? Amen. We're not catching them like this. Well, I know my neighbor's gonna come. I've been talking to him for 16 and a half years and I just know any minute now. Even Jesus said sometimes in the right town you've gotta dust your feet off and move on. Amen? We're gonna fish with nets. 
You're going to hear something out of me coming up this August 8th when I do our reboot service, our back, our post-COVID-19, back in action, back on the plan, reboot service of the vision that God gave me here two years ago, and we're going to put it into effect, and there's something in that about a net, and you're going to hear more about it coming up very soon. It says that they shall be a place to spread forth nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds as the fish of the great sea exceeding many. Fish of their kinds. That means we're going to win the white ones. We're going to win the brown ones. We're going to win the black ones and the yellow ones and the red ones and all the ones that we can find. We're going to reach out to every place we can reach out to. We're going to cast our nets wherever the fish are and their kinds are going to come because that's the plan of God. That's what he wants us to do. We're going to look at multicultural opportunities as abundant life. We have a Hispanic community here in the Dowsman and Economowoc area. We've got multicultural communities surrounding us and we're going to reach our nets out into all of those areas, not fishing with a pole but fishing with nets. Amen? Look at Jesus' example in Luke chapter five, and I'm getting close to closing up. Luke five, verses four through six, he said, now when, we had, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. We've been walking in this desert since we left the temple. It was watery in the temple and it was great. But there's just this, this desert where nobody will listen to me. I can't get anybody to bite except the bullhead. And then the cares of the world choked him out and he left. That's not true. I unhooked him and threw him back there nasty. All night we have toiled and taken Nothing. That sounds like a dejected fisherman, doesn't it? Listen to what he says. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Come on, somebody preach on that thing. At thy word, I will go ahead and let thy net. I am discouraged. No one's ever come to church because of me. I've tried to witness to people, and I've just flat out given up. You know what? I'm just going to be a Sunday school teacher, or I'm going to be a door person, or I'm going to be a piano player, or whatever, because I've given up that God's ever going to use me to see somebody come to church. That's wrong. At thy word, I'm going to let down my net. It's matter, no matter how discouraged I am. Come on now. Verse six, and when they had done this, they enclosed how many? Four fish. Nope. One bullhead. Nope. When they gave in of themselves, when they gave up of their, their dejection and their, and their just total give up attitude, and they said, God, at your will, I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. They pulled in how many? A great multitude of fish. So many so that their nets broke. How many of you think that they went, oh, the nets broke, time to go back into shore? Oh, buddy, I want to tell you what. If I pulled up a giant net full of fish and that thing started to break, I'd be running all over. Where's the net? Where's the net? Give me another one. Right out into the water, I feel like Chris Farley. <clears throat> In 
In one of Jesus' appearances after his death, he shows once again that he can lead his multitude to the fishes. He's gone. He's reappearing to the apostles. He says this in John 21 and 6. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side. How many know the right side is where the water came from the temple? Cast your net on the right side and you shall find that they cast therefore. And now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of the fishes. There were so many, they couldn't do it all by themselves. You know what they did? They got friends. They called friends. Come on, help us out. <laughs> Come on. We can look at one another and say, hey, but I know you've been discouraged. Eliza, I know you've been discouraged. Sister Ruthie, I know you've been discouraged. You've tried so hard. But look, I got a net full over here. Come on, come with me. Well, don't worry about your thing. Come on with me. Help me pull this net in. And I'm telling you right now, as the pastor of Abundant Light Apostolic Church, I'm looking at a net that's getting ready to get full of fishes because God's promising it to us right now. But I'm looking at some people and I'm gonna say, come on, help me with this net. I casted it out. I did everything God told me to do. Are you gonna help me pull them in? Come on now. Verse 11, but the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed and they shall be given to salt. Guess what? There's going to be some miry places. You know what Donald Trump called the swamp in Washington, D.C.? Man, he wanted to clean that thing up, but it was full of mire and it was mired in sin. The swamp of Christianity is out there right now, mired in false doctrine. Teach people things that aren't true. Inoculation doctrines that say, just wave your hand at God and you're saved. Just do whatever you want and you've got Jesus. Come on, there's going to be some places that are going to just stay salty. They're just going to stay mired in clay. We got to stay away from those places. Look at Jeremiah 17, 5 through 6. He said, thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and make flesh his arm. In other words, the man being his rule and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like heath, a parched shrub in the desert and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land not inhabited. That's Jeremiah's promise that God, that, that God gave him. You want to end up in the salt marshes and the swamp that's out there, the things that are mired in, the, in sin, mired in clay? That's the way to do it. Verse 12, and by the river upon the bank thereof and on this side and on that side shall grow all trees for meat whose leaf shall not fade. Remember Jeremiah 17 and 8 talking about the leaves of the trees that will not fade. Neither shall the fruit thereof be consumed. In other words, it won't ever run out. It shall bring forth new fruit according to his months. Constantly new fruit to bear. Oh, pastor, we've, we've reached everybody in Economwalk. We've, we pertinent talked to everybody here. And there's just nobody that wants to come. It's just not going to happen. Wrong. The rivers of living water are going to flow out of this place. You keep worshiping like you did this morning. You keep giving it to God, breaking your chains, speaking in tongues, letting that oil flow. That's going to flow into these communities. Dousman, God, give us dousman in Jesus' name. Wales, in Jesus' name, God, give it to us. Lord, Oconomowoc, in Jesus' name. Oconomowoc Lake, in Jesus' name. That oil is going to flow. That water is going to flow into those communities and freshen them. Don't tell me that they're all dried up. There's nobody there that wants to hear about God. God. When I was in the Yellow Pages industry, we learned statistically that in a 10-year period, 80 to 90% of the population can turn over. That means there's people constantly moving into the area that have never been here before, and people constantly moving out, or they die, or they move to a different community. 
There's always opportunity to freshen the waters out there and go cast our nets. Somebody out there needs God. Because their waters they issued out of the sanctuary and the fruit thereof shall be for meat and the leaf thereof for medicine. You see, Isaiah tells us, you will be that spring of water. You are full of the Holy Ghost. Listen to this awesome promise in Isaiah 58 and 10. He said, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, what does it mean to draw out thy soul? Reach out, pour yourself out to them. What's in your soul? The spirit of God. Draw your soul out to the hungry. Yes, the people who are physically hungry, absolutely. But the people that are hungry for something in fresh water and satisfy the afflicted soul. And then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continuously and satisfy thy soul in a drought and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden. Now listen. And like a spring of water whose waters fail not. That's you. That's you. You're the spring of the water that doesn't fail. You see, you might be in a little darkness now. Boy, I just, I don't feel like I'm effective for God. I've never been able to win someone. I've really struggled to witness. I don't know what to say to people. I, I'm, I'm li- living in obscurity. Like the word says, I'm, I'm in, the, in darkness right now. I want to be effective for God. But he says the noonday will come and the Lord will guide you continually. You just got to get through the desert part, right? Come on, break some chains off. Those are in the desert. That comes from the desert, right? Just break the chains off and just continue to move through the desert till you get to the shore and stand there with the other fishermen casting your nets. Not only can we draw from the wells of salvation, we are the source of the water to the souls that need them, according to Isaiah in chapter 12. Listen to what he says, 12 and 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you do what? Draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall you say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, and make mention that his name is exalted. What does that tell you? You want to be swimming. How do you keep swimming? You keep moving. How do you keep moving? Declare his name is exalted. Keep testifying. Keep putting your testimony out there. You know, if we just sat out there in water and put two bobbers out, let them sit for a while, and went, ah, gee, there's no fish in the lake, and pulled them back into the boat and sat there, we would have caught nothing. But you got to keep fishing. you got to keep giving your testimony. Sister Brown, keep on sharing those stories that you've shared with me over the last couple months. Keep testifying to those people that you're talking to. Keep on putting the, the net out there. Keep casting your net upon the water. And I'm wrapping up with this in my close, John 7 and 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, 
because Jesus was not yet glorified. You've heard that scripture many times. But have you ever really taken a look at what it means when it says that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, out of your soul? You know, when I look at the, the physical, literal uh, aspect of that, when things flow out of the belly, this don't mean to be gross, just trying to make a, a graphic analogy here, but when things flow out of your belly, where do they generally go to? <laughs> right? Any of you ever been sick or had food poisoning? But when it says out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, it's talking about those times when you stand at this altar and you pray with all your might in the spirit and you shatter and shred the air, you pierce the air with the sound of that beautiful language, that heavenly language as that oil is flowing out of you. It's when you're in your home and you're on your knees in your prayer place and you're praying to God in the spirit. It's when you're giving your testimony to that person you're standing by. It's when you're sharing something out of the Bible. It's when you're giving that Bible study to somebody. That's when the water is flowing out of your belly. That living water is being shared. You ever get into a place where you're sharing your testimony, telling somebody a story, and all of a sudden you start to feel that anointing of God. Man, there's words coming out of me I didn't know. I knew. God just started feeding me. There's scriptures popping back into my head. I didn't realize I remembered. That's the anointing of God. That's the rivers of living water pouring out of you. Swimming. Not touching the bottom anymore. Just swimming in that water. Come on with me now. You can stand with me this morning. Jesus said it very plainly. John 3 and 5, you can all quote it with me. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Did you ever think that in a really cool analogy way, Brother Brown, when you pull that fish out of the Gulf, what kind of fish? You, grouper? Redfish? Do you ever think of it this way? When you're pulling that thing up out of the water, it's being born out of the water. Come on. When you pull it out of that salt, nasty sea, and you're pulling it into your boat, it's being born out of that water. If you don't do those things, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Simple as that. In John 4 and 14, he said, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Is that well of water just for you? Does God want us just to be a fountain like this? And it's all just coming back down? Nuh-uh. Those fountains are for people to drink from. They're for helping people dilute the salt and the nastiness that they live in. You understand that springing water is not just for you. It's not for you to be a decorative fixture out in front of your church. It's it all sprinkles back down on you. It's like those other kind where they, like that, see that it comes out. Matthew 4 and 19. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. If you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are a fisherman. And you have the ability to fish 
waters where the fish are. Support your church. Support the vision of this pastor and his team who are casting nets in every way that they can. Be a Bible study teacher. Be a testifier. Be a talker. And keep casting your nets. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If there's a soul in this building this morning that needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you want that spring of water welling up out of you. You know people who are lost. You've got friends, family, coworkers, neighbors. You just want to be effective for the kingdom of God. You want to be able to enter the kingdom of God. I am here, and we will pray, and together God will fill you with that Holy Spirit. He'll fill you with that, that fountain. If it's been years, if it's been a long time since you've prayed through, just had that breakthrough, you know the Holy Ghost is still there, but man, there's a lot of salt mixed in with it right now. Maybe you've just spent a little bit too much time wrapped up in work, wrapped up in other cares of the world, things you didn't mean to, you didn't want to, but you know what happens when you do that stuff and you don't continuously drink from the waters? You dry up. At the beginning of this message, I talked about revival and understanding revival. You know why we need revival? Because we've got to dilute the waters. Get that fresh water mixed in with all that salt so we don't dry up. So when someday when that trumpet sounds and that horn blasts and the, and the final word is said and God calls us home, we're not just a salty lump sitting there. But we're full of fresh water and that Holy Ghost is going to transform us. You know, the Bible says that it's the Holy Ghost inside us that quickens or transforms our mortal body. When Jesus comes back, he's going to hit the button, the transformation button, and those of us who are alive and remain have the Holy Ghost inside us will become something new, will become spirit, and we'll meet him in the air, swept out of this mess. Amen? Amen. If you need the Holy Ghost or a refill this morning, you're welcome to come on down. Church, the altar is open. Let's get a hold of God and become fishers of men and fish in the waters where the fish are. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, the altar is open this morning. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.